season's greetings and happy holidays. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Mike Pareka, the 2019 FFPC main event $500,000 grand prize winner. He outlasted nearly 2,400 other teams en route to his massive payday. In this episode, we discuss what it was like sweating it out on Monday night, his roster management before waivers locked for the season, and his general draft philosophy as well. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MikePOR21. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is 2019 FFPC main event $500,000 grand prize winner, Mike Poraka. By the newest half a millionaire in uh, the 2019 FFPC main event overall champion, Mr. Mike Poreca. Mike, congratulations on the big victory on Monday night. Thank you very much, sir. You uh, uh, you had a long weekend from <laughs> Saturday game, Sunday, and Monday, but uh, it was worth the wait. And and you're probably I'm like um, over the weekend, you probably got what an hour and a half of sleep, roughly. Yeah, I started. Um, Saturday night, I, I don't know if you had my roster in front of you, but I had the Niners D and Higby going in that Saturday night game. So, uh, like, Higby got hurt like right before halftime, and I was like, oh, no. But uh, once he came back in, he had a good game. I got the defensive touchdown. I'm like, all right, I'm in this. I have a shot. I, got, I had a good first night. And and to bring to bring the listeners fully behind the curtain here, we were we're recording this on on Christmas Eve, Tuesday morning, Christmas Eve. We we're going to record it on Monday morning, but you had actually uh, said, "Hey, can we switch this to Tuesday?" Because it was essentially you and Chris Birchby going for 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 the entire you know kit and caboodle. You had roughly, I think it was an eleven plus point lead with Aaron Jones, and he had he was obviously down eleven plus, and he had Stephon Diggs. And, um, you know, th- th- this is it turned into quite the battle after Diggs got that early touchdown. What were you thinking when, when you saw him get into the end zone uh, when he essentially stole that ball away from Jair Alexander in the corner of the end zone? Yeah, it was uh, – well, A, I, I knew the big risk factor with Aaron Jones, even though I, I love him, he's explosive. But sometimes when they pulled him in some games, like I know that one game he dropped that one pass or got intercepted, they deflected, and then they – barely played him so uh when he fumbled the opening drive and dig scored early i was like this is not trending the right way i uh i dug out an old sterling sharp jersey um i haven't worn in 15 years or something like that whatever i had i put that on for good luck and as soon as dig scored i I tore the jersey off and i'm like all right it's bad <laughs> so okay so now you and i were well i mean i was i was gunning for something much uh at a lesser stakes than you were but i was rooting for aaron jones hard last night i felt after i saw the first drive i'm like okay two catches you know this they're getting him involved early and then i'm with you like he fumbled we saw jamal williams came in and then and then even at the end of the first half 
when they're going in that 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 sort of two minute offense, it was Jamal Williams out there again. Um, yes. And and so it was totally frustrating. I want to say at half he probably had like seven or eight points. How were you feeling at, at that point, knowing that you know you, you were still in a good spot, but it it could you know as that Diggs touchdown proved that spot could change pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I, I was infuriated. I don't know if, because if he saw like that third pass he threw to Jones, it was a little behind him. It was wide open and he didn't catch it. And like he never threw the ball to him again, like the whole rest of the game. So I was like, all right, are they, do they not trust him in the passing game? Or is Williams in there for pass blocking? Because, you know, Rogers was getting sacked, but um, you know, once the Packers went in the game, went into halftime I'm down, I wanted them to be trailing. Cause I knew if the Packers were winning, it's more likely, you know, cousins and digs would be throwing more. So like I could, I wanted that game to stay low scoring, no shootout, grind it out, you know, boring, ugly game. And it wound up turning out that way in the fourth quarter. Mike, um, when, when you saw that, that second, the second Aaron Jones touchdown where, I mean, he, I mean, it was like, whatever it was, uh, you know, it was like a 12 point play essentially, which really cemented it for you. Um, what t- just take me sort of through your mindset as you're watching that play and you see him bust through the Vikings defense. Yeah, so like I immediately like jumped off my couch once, once I saw him break clear. And then once he started slowing down, I started to think like if he saw Miles Sanders like before, I'm like, oh, my God, he better not like lay down just to work clock. Like get in the end zone. Like what are you doing? So, yeah, once he got through it, then I was like, OK, this is good. I, I was like, hoping the Vikings would just give up, quit, pull their starters because they, they really had nothing much to play for. But. Who, who did you who did you watch the game with? I mean, were you by yourself, kind of locked away in, in in your living room, but you know, just sweating it out on your own, or did you know who knew what was going on with with you uh, as far as the money was concerned on Monday night? It just just me and the girlfriend here, and yeah, alone. We want to keep everything exactly the same from Saturday and Sunday. Keep the good luck, the good mojo going. So I didn't didn't want to change anything up. Um, Very superstitious. Exactly. Exactly. So after after the game was over, after it, you know, it was locked in, you you won, uh, you had the victory. Uh, what was the first thing you did? Were you calling anybody? Were you, you know, what what, uh, what what was sort of uh, the next step for you? Uh, she got some champagne. She kept it in the car. She didn't want to jinx it. She, we had some champagne and uh, like Dave called um, to offer congrats. And uh, yeah, it just didn't seem real. We still we're sitting like, oh, my God, I still can't believe you know, this has happened. Like I immediately pulled up the picture of the trophy again. Cause I know I, I've been teasing you for like two years. <laughs> like I want that trophy. I want that trophy. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, congratulations to you. And, and I was saying this, um, yeah, I was talking with, with, uh, of course, uh, FFPC co-founders, you mentioned Dave, um, uh, Gerzak and then Alex Kaganowski. And I was saying, you know, I was, Chris Birchby is an awesome guy. I, I, I was rooting for him. I wanted him to win, but I really wanted you to win because you have been so close in, in these national contests before. I mean, top, you have a ton of top 15 overall finishes. You know, you and I were exchanging emails um, and you uh, pointed out you were in first place uh, going in or second, excuse me, second place going into the final week of the um, football guys players championship last year. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, I guess it, it's a different mindset when you're sitting and watching this game, knowing that um, you have been so close so many times, and then you're you're kind of waiting for, you know, not waiting for doom, but waiting like, okay, what's going to go wrong this year? And then for, you know, this is the year it all came together, and nothing went wrong, and you ended up closing it out. Yeah, I, it was very ironic. The team I had last year, which I thought was better or, or more balanced, 
Um, I had Aaron Jones and Tyler Boyd on that same team, and they both got hurt last year in week 15. So I went into week 16 light-handed. And if you remember, like Jamal Williams went nuts in week 16 with Rodgers. That game with the Jets. So if Aaron Jones had played, I kept thinking like I would have had those points and I, I would have won last year. But like just by random chance, this year's team, I had Aaron Jones and Tyler Boyd on the same team. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like too ironic. I'm in the same spot. Now I have Boyd and Jones on the same team, and they're both healthy and look to be in like prime spot. So uh, yeah, they lit it up. They, they dropped 60-something points for me. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I was on the Packers website last night trying to figure out which Aaron Jones jersey to order. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, you had a big week this week, 212.65. Uh, you had mentioned uh, Boyd, 33.8. Aaron Jones with 30. Michael Thomas, 31.6. Uh, and that, I mean, honestly, like from top to bottom, Julio Jones, 26.6, Tyler Higby, 23.9, Carson Wentz, 22.15, um, you know, everybody but your defense in double figures. So that was really good uh, for you as well. I don't know if there's anything that you can glean from this or, or learn from from your past uh, in these championship rounds. Is there anything that, um, you know, knowing how close you were before that maybe you learned from that, um, that that helped the championship round go your way this year? Or is it just a matter of the players, you know, coming out, performing, staying healthy and putting up a big score? Yeah, I mean, you just you got to get lucky. I mean, bottom line, you, you, I had teams that had like Godwin and Dalvin Cook on them. And earlier in the year, I thought like they were like my best chance. But um, it just so happened that, you know, what Julio was like, wasn't doing anything for a few weeks there. And I got lucky. Calvin Ridley got hurt. Once he got hurt, all of a sudden, like it went back to the old Julio days where they were just peppering him with targets. And, and Michael Thomas was out of his mind. Um, picking up Higby at week 13. Uh, I was lucky enough that I had the most fab budget left. So I was able to pick him up week 13 because tight end was like a dead spot for me all year. And, um, you know, without picking him up, I don't win. I don't think I'd have to go back and try to figure it out. But I mean, he was, he was over 20 points all three weeks, 14, 15, 16. I only had Hollister left. So I, I have to assume that that one move is what won it for me. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's down to that no question. Um, I'm just looking at your lineup here. Obviously it, it probably stung when, when J- Josh Jacobs was announced that, that he was going to be out this week. You couldn't put him in your lineup. Um, but I'm also looking at, you know, you, Devin Singletary and DK Metcalf, um, two players that a lot of guys had started this week. Um, you kept them on your bench, and it obviously paid off as those guys combined for 5.8 points. Was there any um, – did, did you put any thought into starting either of those guys over, say, somebody like, you know, Jacob Hollister or, or, or anybody like that? Or did the lineup sort of set itself this week after Jacobs was announced that, that he was out? Well, early on, I thought my lineup was set because – Hollister against the Cardinals is like the smash spot for tight end. So I'm like, all right, it's set. But then Jacobs was announced he was out. And uh, I don't know if you saw like the weather forecast, but they were calling for like a monsoon, 100% chance of rain, 25 mile an hour winds in Miami for Boyd. I'm like, oh, God, I, I don't know if I can trust Dalton there. And then Gerald Everett was off the injury report, full go and practice. So everybody was like debating, you know, it was Higby, a safe start. So, yeah, I was – Singletary was the one guy I was considering, but I just – one of the things I've learned is in these big state contests where you're going to potentially regret a decision that's cost you a lot of money, thousands of dollars on the line, it's like 
what can you live with? What decision can you live with him? For me, it was like, all right, do I trust Dem- Devin Singletary at New England against, you know, the greatest defensive mind of all time, Belichick, in a potentially low-scoring game, or Hollister in the smash spot with Russell Wilson as quarterback and what I thought would be a shootout. It didn't turn out to be a shootout, so I'm like, you know what? I don't care if Singletary gets 20 touches. His, his ceiling is, you know, he's had like one touchdown in the last five weeks. I'm like, what, what am I really going to miss out on? I, if, if he gets 12 points again, I, I can live with that. So, wind up working out. Yeah, and yeah, and Hollister and I, obviously um, going up against that, that you know, the, the um, turnstile defense for tight ends uh, in the Arizona Cardinals. So, you had to love that matchup, too, and especially in a tight end premium league. It made a lot of sense. Uh, to start Hollister there as well. So good call on that. Let's talk about the other tight end that you had in your lineup. Uh, Tyler Higby, you mentioned him earlier and uh, how he might have been the uh, catalyst for you winning this half-million-dollar grand prize. Nine catches for 104 yards against a pretty good defense on Saturday night, and this was after Gerald Everett had returned to the lineup after he was hurt. Total non-factor. It was all about Higby. Where do you think, as you look forward to 2020 drafts, where do you think Higby rakes uh, among the tight ends? I don't know if I'd put him in the top three yet, but he's got to be way higher than he was last year. Yeah, I mean, they gave him a contract extension the preseason, so it led you to believe that he was the guy they they liked. But Everett's, I mean, talent-wise, you, you watch him on film, um, he just looks more electric. You know, Higby's more like Gronk. This guy's more like, you know, like, Jordan Reed or whatever back in the day. So, like, I, I'm guilty of, like, when uh, Everett broke out, I was dying for a tight end in so many leagues. I dumped my fab on Everett after that one big game against Seattle earlier in the year, and uh, that did not work out so well. So I have to think the Rams are desperate to save cap space, and they don't have any draft picks. I have to, I'm hoping they trade Everett. I don't want them to bring both back next year. You know what I mean? Because right. Right. who knows? And, I mean – Goff, if you look at Goff, he likes to throw to Cup in the middle of the field. So, yeah, I, I think Higby's top 10, definitely, if, you know, if Everett's, even if Everett comes back, maybe, but I, I don't know. I mean, you have to think they're going to release Cooks or they have to do something salary cap-wise. So, but yeah, he uh, he passes the eyeball test. That's all you can do is you watch him play, and this guy looks like, you know, Gronk out there a little bit. Mike, you've been playing uh, high-stakes fantasy football for a long time. Um, when you, uh, you know, sort of stepped it up and, and decided, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well in my local leagues, my basement leagues with my friends, my buddies, whatever, I want to try to test the waters uh, in, in the high-stake landscape. Did, was there a learning curve for you? Um, did, did you enjoy, uh, you know, some, some um, modicum of success right away? Uh, how long did it take before you were kind of dialed in and, and really knew what you were doing in, in order to draft these juggernaut squads? Yeah, no, I, I, I got, you know, my clock cleaned the first couple of years. I was new to fab bidding, free agent bidding, and uh, the tight end premium and trying to decide, you know, 20-man rosters and, 10 man starting lineups and you're going against the best of the best of these guys who've been doing it for years. So, uh, you know, getting an idea of, you know, when to draft people, how much to spend in free agency. So it's like, yeah, I, I didn't do well the first year. I think the second year I might've made the playoffs, but didn't win. But, um, I, even though I didn't win, obviously I, I love fantasy football and I, I just love your format. It's, I won't ever play anything, but your contests and, uh, you guys all do a great job there. So it's like uh, I said, I'm sticking with this, and like gradually, 
it all like the light bulb started to come on and you just get a better feel of how to handle the draft and free agency and then it just comes down to you know week 14 through 16. right yeah and and, and in that uh vein as we talk about the championship round do you find yourself um, agonizing, analyzing, um, really pouring over your starting lineups in the championship round more than you do in like week one or week five or week nine or anything like that? Um, uh, what's sort of your philosophy on that? And are, are you willing to, to you know, bench a stud for that has been struggling for a guy that has a prime matchup who's been playing well that maybe doesn't have the pedigree that, that some of these other guys do. How do you, what's sort of your philosophy on those two aspects of championship round lineups, Mike? Yeah. Championship round is like, you hope to have like a no brainer roster with no injuries. So you don't have to make any decisions, but inevitably like uh, last year when you had me on, like I, I benched Ebron the final weekend, uh, you know, Ebron was having a good year, and they was just in a, you know, Ebron had whatever, 14 TDs. You bench him, I'm like, you just looked at the snap count, and I was just like, I, you know, I don't trust him, I can't afford a zero. And, like, this year, it's like, every year there's more and more data out there with uh, the matchups. You're looking at snap counts, targets, time of possession, pace they run. Like, like I had to choose between Gold and uh, Robbie Gold and Butker as my two kickers, and I was going through all their logs home and road splits and how many you know, Bucker had six games with three field goals, but he was at Chicago. I'm like, yeah, you, when you have that much money on the line, like five point, it didn't happen this year, but like you make a five point scoring mistake. It could drop you, you know, five spots in the rankings. So, um, try to leave no stern, no stone unturned, but you still got to go with your gut. Like I say, you like to go down with your guys and I just try to decide, you know, what decision you're willing to live with if it's the wrong decision, you know. I'm listen, I'm totally with you on that. I I've always I've I've said this to people in the past when when um I, I it, it's sort of saying the same thing the same as you thing are, but in a different way where I say, Well what what would I be less ticked off about if 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 you know if play if I bench player A for player B and uh, player A goes off. Am I going to be more ticked off or, or vice versa? You know what I mean? And and some yes. of these decisions, you know, I don't uh, – here, here's a perfect example on your squad. You started Carson Wentz over Andy Dalton. Um, a total wrong decision apparently because Dalton went off for 39. But you couldn't – I mean, you could not have even been thinking about starting Dalton over Wentz. I mean, it. it I, I'm sure it didn't even enter into your mind. Well, that, that, that was part two to your question. So, yes, that – I picked him up at week 13 because um, I was light at quarterback and I saw he had a week 16 matchup. You know, you're scouting out once you get to this level, you know how much money's on the line. You're scouting out all the matchups weeks 14 through 16. So there was reports AJ Green was progressing. He could be coming back. Dalton just came back in his first game and they won their first game. So I picked up Dalton specifically for that week 16 game against Miami. But to your point, like, I, AJ Green didn't come back. They lost Tate. There was weather concerns. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I already got Boyd going. I'm like, I, I cannot live with myself if I start Andy Dalton and lose five hundred thousand, even though Wentz has like nobody's throwing to. Um, and yeah, trust me. Well, in, in when that four, one o'clock game was over and Dalton scored whatever forty points and Wentz was still in like a lowest scoring boring game in the fourth quarter i was like oh my god <laughs> but i can live with that I right can, i can live with right. going with Wentz. Wentz had two good weeks in a row so 
And and he's and he, you know they, they obviously they had the lack of receivers, but he still had Ertz. He still had Goddard. I mean, two of the best tight ends out there. And and again, if if Dalton tanks, there's a good chance Tyler Boyd tanks as well. And now it's not affecting one spot in your lineup; it's affecting two spots. So I I, I totally yes. get that. Like I said, it's all about what you can uh, what you can live with. Um, moving forward to 2020, Mike, um, do you think uh, there's anybody who? And, and I'll frame the question like this. Maybe he had a down year this year that, that um, is going to cause them to tumble down draft boards that might turn that turn them into a sleeper, you know, a bounce-back type player. Um, and then a, a player that maybe crushed it this year uh, that, that is going to go way high, uh, much higher than he did uh, this past year, that you think might be overvalued as far as drafts go for 2020. All right. You re- I prepared a different answer. No, go ahead. No, answer, it with that, answer it with that answer, with the one that you had. You had, uh, you had talked about uh, sleepers, anybody. Um, so I was going to say, A, sleepers would be anybody that played for Adam Gase this year and winds up somewhere else. Or like, <laughs> any Jet players, or if they fire him, because, it, I mean, between Devontae Parker and Tannehill and Kenyon Drake, all guys that he, like, smothered, and then they they go somewhere else and they blow up. It's like, I was all in on Chris Herndon this year. I, I took him on every team almost is like my sleeper tight end, even though he was injured and it's, I can't blame that on gaze, but like he killed Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson. Like, yeah, it's so maybe one guy, maybe Le'Veon Bell, if he gets out of there, goes somewhere else or the Jets bring in somebody else. He's one guy who disappointed who may wind up doing better. But, um, for sleepers, I'm looking at all the young tight ends that, um, John Smith, Herndon again, like Blake Jarwin, Ian Thomas, because I, I always do seem to do well with running back and receivers. I, I place my premium on that, and I, I try to gamble on finding the late breakout tight end. It didn't work out this year, but next year there's a bunch of guys that, um, you know, Dallas Goddard was another guy I was all in on picking him late, and uh, he came on late, but it, it didn't work out early on. Mike. In your format, especially, you need you need a tight end. I got lucky with Higby, but uh, I was starving for tight ends in most of your uh, leagues this year. Well, and, and even Hollister uh, was, was a nice little get for you yes. too. Uh, after uh, I can't think of the guy who went down with this. Uh, yeah, I picked Disley, up Disley in a bunch of leagues, and I thought that was like my my lucky charm. Like, oh my god, yes, I I, I got gold here, and then all of a sudden when he went down. I'm like, oh man, I can't catch a break. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's it's totally rough sometimes. It, you, you just got to keep grinding it out, and if you do, usually good things will eventually happen. Uh, Mike, is there anybody that, that you might be staying away from? You know, somebody, um, like I said, that, that busted out uh, this. I, I think about Aaron Jones, where he's going to go next year. Christian McCaffrey obviously had a massive season. He can't really go any higher uh, in drafts than he did this this past year. But Aaron Jones was was a was a massive value as you know to your point of being uh, uh, on your team. Anybody else that you think might be a little bit overdrafted by high stakes players next year? And maybe you don't think Aaron Jones will be too. I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. I will never say anything bad about Aaron Jones. You can take him <laughs> first overall, and I would not criticize that move. Um, no, you look at this year's, I mean, other than McCaffrey, all the big studs, Barkley, Kamara, Elliott, everybody thought they were slam dunks. They really, I mean, Barkley has looked good the last two weeks. I know he got hurt. Kamara, he had a good game this past week. He hasn't looked the same. Elliott, I, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, those, those guys are all still going to be the top running backs, but they did not have, you know, a, a strong, solid, clean season. It's like, uh, 
I don't know how you rank everybody after McCaffrey um, right now. I mean, you, obviously the offseason, everybody will heal and things like that. But uh, like most of the drafts all went one, two, three, four, those four guys. Maybe they still go the same, but you got Michael Thomas now right. Right. coming on. Um, who knows? I've, uh, what's his name? Kareem Hunt goes somewhere else, then Chubb gets the whole you know, load there. He's got to be up there. Um, yeah, it's uh, – I already, I already can't wait for next year. I would imagine, yes. you know. Um, big fan, but big injury risk with him, too, right. yes. Exactly. Um, getting back to, because people want to know about your draft strategy in the main event, um, do you, is it simply, all right, I'm just going to, you know, make sure I don't get skunked on tight end, build my running backs and receivers up, add a couple of quarterbacks on, you know, later on in the draft. Is that sort of your philosophy? Are you trying to have a set number of, players at a certain position by a certain point in the draft or i mean how, how do you when you're drafting a, one of these main event teams how do you approach the the strategy of the construction of yeah like this team i started receiver receiver um other teams i started running back running back it, it's typically best player available and guys that you know you don't want to blow your first round pick and i don't care about adp it's like your first round pick has got to be your guy someone you love so um, if it means taking somebody three spots ahead of where they should be, it's your guy. Like I'll still never forget the, um, I think it was the first year I did your main event contest where, um, Doug Martin, he had to break out rookie year for Tampa. So he was like the consensus, like number two pick. And I got the number two pick for like my first main event draft you're we doing. And I, I still just something about him. I did not like, I didn't trust, but everybody's like, Oh, you got to take him. And meanwhile, I'd always been like a Calvin Johnson, like Homer. Like, he's my boy. I'd always took him no matter what. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I got to, I got to take Doug Martin here. Like, everybody says he's the number two pick, and yeah, he wound up being a bust that second year. And Calvin just went on smashing like he normally did. So like after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you got to go take your, your guys. Don't yeah, don't take somebody yeah, yeah. because everybody else says they're the guy you should take, and you know. Blah blah blah. Exactly. <laughs> it's your team, you know. So yeah. you got, you know. I, I always, I always like that too, where I, I'm open to advice. I want to know what other people are thinking, but I'm not going to let other people dictate what I do in, in my draft. You know, it's it's always good to get a wide breadth of opinions and you know the wisdom of the crowd. But at the same point, I want to cheer for the guys that that you know I believe in. I, I want to root for the guys that that um, that I believe are going to give me the best chance to win. And going with your gut is usually not a, a bad decision on that. I don't know if you have any regrets with this team, Mike, given that it, it won a half million bucks, but is there anything that, um, and, and we'll, we'll talk about just fantasy football, your fantasy football season in general in 2019. Is there anything that you wish you would have done differently this year? Do you have any regrets about, you know, maybe some of your other teams that, that, uh, that came up short or was, was this, you know, $500,000 was, was this the magic elixir? Is that going to cover up uh, all, all the bad feelings you might've had about your teams this year? Yeah, so I can tell you there was one glaring um, error with this team, and people are probably being shocked when they hear what I did. But um, like I've always disliked Melvin Gordon. I, I just, I don't know, not always, but I just after last year he was breaking down. He had to hold out going. Um, I was listening to Schefter like, before the preseason, and everybody it seemed like the consensus was this was going to go the full ten games. He was not coming back to week eleven. So in this draft, I took. Um, Eckler at the 6.2 and I had in my mind okay I have to take Gordon to protect him if he's there next round in round 7 
So it comes around, comes around, comes around, and all of a sudden, like, Singletary's there from Buffalo, and obviously they'd already released um, McCoy. So I'm like, ah, I'm like, I don't know here. I can have Singletary for 10 weeks versus Gordon. If Gordon comes back, are they are they even going to play him? You know what I mean? What What's his motivation? I'm like – I'm like, let me let me try to get cute and see if, you know, I was picking seven eleven and eight two, so I was like, let me see, let me let me take Singletary here, maybe I get Gordon back at the eight two, and no, Gordon went, <laughs> Gordon went before my next pick, the guy picking at the uh, turn took him, and I was just like, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna regret this. And once he came back early, you know, he reported early, I was like, I was distraught. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be. The worst decision I ever made. This is going to come back to bite me, but um, wound up wound up not mattering. But it was it was uh, something I kept looking back on for like three months. It is going to be the team. The team was doing well, and I was like, I'd be so nice to have Gordon if he, if they're giving him the load, you know, the rest of the year. It's you know you talking about those Chargers running backs. It's going to be fascinating to see because neither one of those guys might be a Charger next year. Eckler and, and Gordon both free being free agents. They might sign elsewhere, and then we might be talking about a completely different you know maybe one of these young running backs uh, that are coming up in the draft. That the, the chart you know they they obviously sunk up uh, an early round pick and uh, first round pick into Melvin Gordon. Maybe they do it again this year with you know DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor or you know any of these guys that 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 are you know expected to be uh, first or second round picks we'll see what happens there and we'll see what yeah. what people do in drafts obviously with Eckler and Gordon if they are if they're on new teams um that that could change their value drastically as well um it's going to be fascinating yeah. to watch um yeah, I, it was border it was borderline criminal that they like shelled Eckler like, like those last whatever, three or four weeks. Like, I mean, anybody watches the game, he's got more juice than Gordon. It it should have been more 50-50 or something. Cause, like, even in this game against the Raiders, like, they were trailing, and I have Eckler going, and I'm like, why is Gordon – why are they throwing the ball to Gordon? You know, it's like – I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I would have had Eckler in there more often. But I also drafted Debo Samuel on this team just uh, for other regrets. I drafted Debo Samuel and wound up cutting him, I think, for – Dante Pettis midseason. Uh, so that's, uh, that's another regret, but well, and and you know, like it, it goes to show uh, to everybody in this, like you know, people think, or a lot of people think, not everybody, that in order to to win a national contest like this, you have to be flawless. And yes. you know, in the last five minutes of this podcast, you just explained you don't have to be because you you said you you obviously missed on Melvin Gordon after you wanted to get him. Uh, you cut uh, Debo Samuel uh, in this league, which which would have been huge down the stretch too. So I mean, you you don't have to be flawless. Everybody will make mistakes. It just matters, you know, if you if you make enough right decisions uh, like you did, uh, you'll come out on top. Um, we've been talking a lot about 2020 drafts, uh, but before you get to that, we obviously have the uh, the world famous FFPC playoff challenge coming up uh, here uh, after week 17. Everybody will be filling in their lineups there. We we know almost every team in the playoffs. Uh, thus far do you mike i mean you've you've had some success in this challenge before do you have any um sleepers that uh, that that you're willing to to share that that you're going to look at uh in any of your playoff challenge lineups this year that you think uh, could de- go deep in the nfl playoffs uh, well i wouldn't say it's a sleeper but I, I would have to think going as the playoffs look right now everybody has like for kansas city it's mahomes and tyreek or kelsey like for each team, you can pick who their top players will be. For the Packers, it'll be Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I think the one mystery team 
is San Fran because every week it could be Sanders, it could be Kittle, it could be Debo. You know what I mean? It could be Garoppolo. I think that, that's the one team where there's it's not a real solid number one clear cut decision. So I would have to think the winner for this contest is going to make the right call on San Fran. I, I like that offense. I love their coach. I have to think it's going to be them and the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. So um, I, I would have to think that somewhere on that San Fran team is going to be you, you unlock the right pick there, and that's that'll help you win. Or maybe it's Mostert too. It could, you know, yes. who knows? Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think um, that San Francisco pick is is going to be very, very crucial. Um, we're gonna next week on on this show. I'm gonna we're gonna preview the the playoff challenge and and sort of get into that and and we'll know who the teams are and sort of the path that's uh, that's going to be set up. Going to be a very, very fun playoffs, especially in the NFC with so many really good teams. And then in the AFC, you, you know, you can't count out the Patriots. Obviously, you got the reigning MVP in Kansas City over there, and then probably this year's MVP in Lamar Jackson having. Home Home field throughout. This is going to be one of the most exciting playoffs I, I think I can remember in recent memory. And do you fade the Patriots? The pa- Patriots do not pass the eyeball test. I know they're home, but they could be one and done if if Kansas City goes there second round. I, but I, we'll have to see what the seeding is going to be. But um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if KC goes in there for that first playoff game. Patriots are one and done. Well, and, and Mike, you know, to that to that end, who are you picking off the Patriots? You know, because exactly. you know, I, I think a lot of people, it's always been Edelman. Well, he's really banged up right now. I don't know if you really want to put your playoff challenge hopes on that. And obviously they've had this historic defense this year, but are you going to play the Patriots defense when they might have to play Kansas City and Baltimore? I mean, how much how much is there to gain from that? I I think that uh, and then obviously Brady is not you know Tom Brady of of um, uh, of his prime too. So I think that there is a there's a there's a lot of landmines on that New England squad, and maybe fading the Patriots is is the smart decision. We'll all know in about a month or so. Uh, Mike, you have been very gracious with your time. I certainly appreciate. Uh, you uh, taking uh, taking the time out of your day after after a sleepless night last night of, of celebration uh, to talk a little fantasy football here. I know uh, all the listeners will will really appreciate this and and sort of you know how you built your team, how you managed it, and uh, how you won the half million. Final question before I let you go: Do you have any plans for that five hundred thousand dollars? What are you going to be using that money for? Yeah, I was I hadn't thought about it because I didn't want to jinx myself, right. but uh, I mean uh, I was going to get a. Uh, the basement finished in my girlfriend's house. So I have my own little man cave over there to watch football. So I don't have to compete with her daughter for the TV. So that, <laughs> that, that's first on the list, but uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Obviously maybe a nice vacation and something nice, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to recommendations. I never came into, you know, a big win like this. We'll, we'll crowdsource it. For you. We'll, we'll get, uh, we'll get people's yes. opinions and, and we'll get back to you on that. I'm going to let you take a nap or continue to ride the high, whatever you want to do, man. It's all about you this week. Congratulations on that half million in that FFPC main event overall title. Well-deserved. Uh, I'm glad you got one under your belt now. And uh, thanks so much for, uh, for uh, talking with me today. I uh, really appreciate it, dude. Happy holidays to you and your family. Yeah. You guys are the best. I appreciate everything. And uh, yeah, have a nice holiday and new year. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. 
Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.